0: Welcome to the Covert Narcissism Podcast. I'm your host, Renee Swanson. Everyone carries wounds from childhood. No matter how healthy or attentive your parents were, you did not get through childhood unscathed. No one does. Everyone has some wounds. This does not make you damaged. It does not make you bad. It just makes you human. When we have an emotional need that's not met as a child, we often abandon that need in order to survive. Maybe it wasn't met because our parents were busy. Maybe it wasn't met because our parents were limited in their own emotional development. Maybe they just didn't know we had that need. But these unmet needs cause us to form core beliefs about ourselves. Beliefs such as, I am bad. I am unlovable. I'm not worthy. I'm not good enough. I'll be abandoned. Today, I want to explore how these wounds later shape our life. I'm Renee Swanson, your host of the Covert Narcissism Podcast, and thank you so much for joining me today. You know, when I started the patron program, I didn't know what to expect, and I've been blown away by the contributions that have come in. And you are all so amazing in helping to continue spread this word. And so I just want to take a minute and thank you. But I need to give one extra shout out here. I need to give a shout out to a very generous contributor and for sake of privacy, I will always protect that privacy. You know, the dollar's just not worth that. So for sake of privacy, I'm going to call her C because her first name starts with the letter C So, C, I really want to thank you for your contribution. You know who you are out there. And and these contributions, they help to keep this podcast rolling. This generous donation from C is covering the production cost of this podcast for nearly two months. This has really allowed me to relax in the work that I'm doing and know that things are covered. So thank you so much. Attachment wounds happen in our childhood. Now, what do these wounds look like? They're feelings of emotional abandonment. It's when we, you know, when those needs go unmet and it's a time when when our parents aren't perfect. No parents are perfect. So they're all going to miss some Add to this that some parents are extremely unavailable emotionally, and in fact, maybe they're even adding to the emotional needs with abusive behavior for any who are coming from abusive and toxic environments. Well, emotional abuse and emotional neglect in childhood can leave an intense fear of of abandonment in an individual. Another attachment wound is feelings of inner defectiveness. This is when we as a child believe that all the bad things Are our fault. I remember when a friend was mad and I would immediately think it was my fault. Like they might be mad about, you know, they had something happen at work or something happened at school, nothing, something that had nothing to do with me. But my instant thought was, I must have done something. I must have upset them. I must have said something that hurt their feelings. And I would go into this hyper alert mode to fix it. Well, that usually made things worse because it wasn't even about me in the first place. So this is a feeling of being unworthy, feeling bad or wrong. It's a feeling of being inner uh, defective. Another attachment wound is feelings of shame. And we're going to talk a lot about shame today. Parents that have their own unresolved shame will often pass that shame right along to their kids and they don't even know it. But this feeling of shame, this is where I want to go right now. I want to talk about the difference between guilt and shame. So let's, let's explore that for a minute. Guilt is negative feelings about a particular act that one has done or not done. And guilt is not a bad thing. It motivates people to change their behavior. Um, it motivates them to repair damaged relationships. It motivates one to self-improve. So guilt has its place. But shame, no. No. Guilt is about when I when I've done something wrong, but shame is that I am wrong. Guilt is about I've done something bad, but shame is I am bad. Okay, it's negative feelings about oneself. Shame serves no purpose. It is a source of suffering. Chronic shame is detrimental to one's mental, emotional, psychological, physiological health. It leads you to believe that you are unworthy of love. And it deeply interferes with healthy relationships. Shame forms when one believes that they deserve the trauma they have experienced. And I don't care what that trauma looks like. It can be all different levels. Trauma of neglect all the way up to trauma of severe abuse. But when a child believes that they deserve the abusive treatment from that parent, because a child truly believes that parent loves them and cares for them, so they can't think bad about that parent, so instead, they internalize it. They believe it's their fault, and they believe it's because they are defective. So they develop this inner wound of shame. How does that affect someone? Someone who's feeling shame, they're going to have trouble forming, or they might have trouble forming or sustaining friendships, let alone romantic relationships. They might find it difficult to be honest in these interpersonal relationships because they struggle with trust issues. Okay, they hide behind this wall because they don't want anyone else to see that they're defective on the inside. So they carry this fear of connecting with others, that distrust of, of other people, but they also distrust themselves. They, they are afraid that you'll see the real them and abandon them. So it goes back to those feelings of abandonment. They might fight feelings of isolation and loneliness because of this wall around them. And then they might end up showing abusive behavior or get into abusive relationships. No one likes how shame feels. Our system, it's designed for self-preservation. So I want you to take a piece of paper right now. Now, if you're driving your car, please don't do that. Just visualize this. But take out a piece of paper, and in the middle of it, I want you to draw a circle that may be, you know, a little bigger than a quarter. In this circle, I want you to write the words, internal wounds, shame. Okay, This is where the shame lies. This is the core inside of us, all of us carrying that, I'm not good enough, I'm not worthy, I'm not lovable, those fears. Now, shame gets its power through secrecy. One becomes so terrified to be honest with others for fear that they will agree with the shame, declaring that you are unworthy or undeserving of peace and happiness. So you guard it. And the more you guard it, the more damage it does from within. So on that piece of paper, I want you to draw a larger circle around that wounded self. This is the protective layer which forms around this internal shame. It's emotional protection. It's the wall that we hide behind. Now, I want to talk about that protective layer because that's what's getting in the way of having healthy relationships. This protective layer is full of survival skills that actually, let's say we're going to label them as personas. Okay, and I'm going to explain what I mean by that in just a minute. Now, codependency and narcissism are both built on survival skills. I talk about that a lot in these podcasts. These survival skills are what lie in that protective layer. We build a false persona around the wounded self, and we interact with the world through these personas. So if we tend more towards the codependent survival skills, then those personas look like something like a fixer, Okay, trying to fix everything for everyone so no one will ever be unhappy. Let's say your spouse forgot their lunch. Well, you all of a sudden, without them ever asking, you take two hours of your day to drop everything, go home, remake their lunch so it'll be fresh, and drive it to them. They didn't ask. You just do it to keep them from being upset. Now, there's nothing wrong with doing nice and generous things for your spouse. We should be, okay? But when you are doing this as that fixer persona, it's extreme. It's a hypervigilance to make sure everybody around you is happy. I'm not talking about a one-off. I'm talking about every day of your life. Being able to fix things distracts you from the feeling of worthlessness. How about the rescuer? This is another persona that shows up. Saving everyone else because then I can feel better about myself. Your friend calls you late at night because they're upset with their partner. Maybe they had a big fight. You're tired and you had been looking forward to going to bed early. However, you quickly spring into action. You go meet your friend and you give advice and support and you become their rescuer. Being able to help others reduces the feelings of being unlovable and unwanted. How about the peacekeeper? Constantly monitoring everyone's moods and feelings, staying hypervigilant, one step in front of everyone and everything, anticipating and stopping anything that might upset anyone even just a little before it happens. This was extreme for me. This is where I spent a lot of my marriage and a lot of our home life. The conversation between, let's say your spouse and your teenage child was peaceful and just a normal conversation, but you're listening like a hawk. And then there's this small glimmer of disagreement that creeps in. And what did I do? I would immediately chime in with a little bit of humor, something to kind of distract that, something to kind of deter, you know, take a detour so that we're not, you know, going down that path of that potential argument. When things got tense, It pricked a hole in my protective layer and it stirred up these massive feelings of not being good enough. This lack of peace is incredibly painful and I know that one firsthand. Now, these protective layers are certainly not healthy ways to live every day of your life. They get in the way of true genuineness. They get in the way of spontaneity. They get in the way of you just being you. Now, let's look at the personas that are a little more narcissistic. These personas are things like the critic. Okay, This is when a narcissistic person becomes hypercritical of everything or nearly everything you do. Like a guard dog, they seek to find fault in every detail, every word you speak, every look on your face, every inflection in your voice, everything. This serves as a distraction from their internal wounding. As long as they can see you as the bad guy, then they can feel okay about themselves. Everything is your fault. You're the reason for all of their frustrations. How about the judge? I have to teach everyone a lesson in life. It's my role in life to guard against any wrongdoing. I must watch for it and declare the injustice of it all then I will cast my judgment and teach them a lesson. You know, my husband, this played out with him, but he would write letters to their superiors. I can't tell you how many letters he said he was going to write. I don't know how many of them he actually wrote. But being able to see himself as better than others fights off those internal feelings of not being good enough. I'll give you a couple examples of these letters. We were at a restaurant and the waiter was not 100% cordial. He was fine, but, you know, he's a little short with with my husband when my husband was complaining about the food. And the situation got handled, but clearly not to my husband's satisfaction. So he declared he was going to write a letter to the corporate office about how incredibly rude this server was. He became the judge. Another time was when we were having a house built and there was a mix-up on the paint color. And the mix-up, they were getting it fixed. It just delayed things by, you know, maybe a week. I don't know. But but there was a mix-up on the paint color, and we wanted it fixed. Well, again, it was not being handled completely to his satisfaction. Now, mind you, I didn't see anything wrong with how it was being handled. They were taking care of the problem. But he was going to write a letter, you know, to their corporate office about how unprofessional they were. Yes, there was a mix-up. They were taking care of it but he laid down his harsh judgment. Another persona that shows up is the detached persona. By detaching from everything and everyone, a covert narcissistic person takes no risk and no responsibility. Nothing's ever their fault because they don't ever do anything. They don't invest themselves into anything that would be of risk. They'll sit back and they watch you make all the investment of your energy. And so doing... They either reap the benefit of your expended energy or they blame you when they don't reap enough benefits. This detachment can be seen as a detachment also from their own internal feelings. They're not only detaching from the world, they're detaching from themselves. Okay, one example of this in my world was in our social network. I spent energy into our circle of friends. I invested time in them calling them, checking on them, um, asking people to go to lunch, planning social activities. I nurtured these friendships. He didn't do any of this, but he certainly rode on the coattails of my investment. You know, he stayed guarded and distant, and if I didn't plan anything for a while, he'd actually come in. Hey, you need to have them over again. And if I said to him, will you call them? Set it up. I'll be happy to cook, but you step out and take care of this. No, no, and he never did. He might say he would, but he never did. He wanted me to do all the work that he was benefiting from. And over time, of course, he eventually blamed me that he didn't have any friends. Another persona is the bored one. Being above everyone, they don't have time for normal life and normal interactions. Just sitting around and chatting is a total waste of time. It was a chore that served no purpose in my husband's eyes. He wouldn't just sit around and just shoot the breeze. If there was nothing to be gained from the conversation, he was bored and he checked out. Another persona is the addict. Okay, it is not unusual at all for covert narcissists and and even overt narcissists to have addictions. These addictions show up in alcohol, drugs, sex, gaming, work, hobbies, social media, even addiction to a person. And normally that person is you, the victim. Not only are these distractions from their internal shame, but they're also a way for them to feel better about themselves. Work successes, sexual conquest, likes on a social media, gaming victories, getting drunk, getting high, winning your attention, even good or bad is a victory for them. All of these addictions keep them distracted from their internal wounds. Do you see where I'm going here? These are layers and layers that are built around the wounded self. And when one persona doesn't work one day, that's okay, because I got five more waiting in the wings. Another persona is the entitled one. I don't deserve the pain I feel inside, and I'm going to prove it to you and everyone else. I will do this by assuming that I'm entitled to all the good things. And if you receive more attention than I do, then you are a threat to me. You are stealing what is rightfully mine. You got what I deserve, not because of any hard work or investment that maybe you did, just because of who i am and if i can stay at the mad at the world for not recognizing my greatness then i don't feel those internal feelings of shame the victim victim role we've talked about a lot in my podcast okay i don't need to explain it here to this audience that victim role is just another persona that covers those internal wounds and then how about the abuser if i hurt you before you hurt me then i'm safe This deep-seated pain interferes with their ability to trust anyone. They think everyone is out to get them, including you. So they abuse you because they're convinced that you're going to do that to them. They cannot see past their own projections. They firmly believe that you are doing to them what they are doing to you. This abusive behavior taps into the anger that they carry inside of them from these feelings of shame. They won't admit that they're angry. They are. That anger lies just under the surface. Everybody else can see it, but they don't. But when they go into that abusive mindset and that abusive persona, then it justifies their anger. It lets them, lets them be angry. And, and now they have a reason because that reason is you. The manipulation this is where the abuse shows up in covert narcissism, the circular conversations leaving you com- completely confused and overwhelmed, the gaslighting causing you to completely doubt yourself, the blame shifting causing you to take all the blame, um, and there's just enough truth in what they say to cause you to dig in and take the guilt and, and decide it's your fault. Okay, The drama that they create for others helps them to not feel alone with their own internal turmoil, and it justifies the way they already feel inside identifying these protective personas can help you to navigate this crazy making situation that you were in. Make a list, make a list of the personas that you're seeing in your world, in your life, the ones that you have and the ones that they have for both of you. And as they appear, identify them. Okay. One of the things I did is I kind of made a little bit of a game out of it that actually made this, you know, feel a little bit less heavy. If, if I saw the critic, I go, oh, there's the critic. All right, I'd, I'd give him a color. For me, the critic was, uh, was red, okay? The red is, is, that's the critic. That's the one that's showing up to me right now. And in my imagination, I gave him an outfit to wear. Maybe a long face, a pointy chin, glasses on the end of a long pointy nose. And, oh, there we are. We, we're being critical again, okay? Because they're so perfect themselves. When the judge shows up, dress this persona in the honorable black robe. Of course, all this is in your head. I'm not saying to say this out loud to them, banging their gavels so everyone will listen. Tap, 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 and you just hear it. Picture no one in the courtroom actually listening. Certainly, no one believing what they're actually saying. When the victim appears, see them with their fancy clothes, eating their five course meal, but then coming outside to beg on the street corner because they're so pathetic, making themselves look neglected and puny and weak. Please know that none of these personas have anything to do with you. These came into existence long before you entered their world. They click through them as they choose to keep their inner wounds tucked away. When one persona isn't working, that's okay. Like I said, we got five more in the wings ready to go. When you quit taking them so seriously and you quit playing their games, when you go gray rock, when you watch these personas now as an observer, Watch how quickly they bounce from one to the next, desperately trying to get a rise out of you, and you are no longer reacting. That's when you can start finding healing. That's when you are guarding your heart now and protecting your heart because you're no longer hooked into their games. Picture this chaotic wardrobe changes as they go from one persona to the next. You know, clothes are flying everywhere as they scramble to get on the next attire to try on, to come at you one more time. Bringing some humor into your mind as you go through this journey can certainly help. Now that you understand more of what's going on, picture yourself eating popcorn and watching the show. This show is going to go forward. Whether you realize it or not, whether you play or not, it's time to step out. I wish you so much peace on your journey of healing. You have been listening to the Covert Narcissism Podcast with your host, Renee Swanson. Be sure to check out our website at www.covertnarcissism.com. There you will find many resources just for you to help you on this journey. You can also reach out to me by email at renee, R-E-N-E-E, at cnglifecoaching.com. Those letters are C-N-G, as in Covert Narcissism Group. I do look forward to hearing from you. I wish you so much peace on your journey of healing.